and welcome to In Conversation With, a podcast of The Lancet Oncology. My name is Marcia and today we have a special podcast dedicated to our latest commission, European Ground Shot Addressing Europe's Cancer Research Challenges. This report follows from our previous commission on future cancer research priorities in the USA, launched in 2017, following the enactment of the Cancer Moonshot within the 21st Century Cures Act in the USA. It followed also the commitment showed by Ursula von der Leyen, President of the European Commission, in developing a European plan to beat cancer. With me, I have Professor Mark Lawler from Queen's University Belfast and Professor Richard Sullivan from King's College London to discuss the outcomes and implications of this commission for cancer research in Europe. Welcome both. Mark, I start with you. Um, my first question is regarding moonshot versus ground shot. What is the difference between these two and why is the ground shot more appropriate for Europe and like the moonshot in the USA? Thanks, Marjorie, for that question. And the aspirations of the U.S. cancer moonshot, which was championed by current U.S. President Joe Biden when he was vice president, uh, were, were articulated in the previous Lancet Oncology Commission on Future Cancer Research Priorities in the U.S. Uh, but what we asked ourselves was, does Europe really need another cancer moonshot? In developing this Lancet Oncology European Groundshot Commission on Cancer Research, we argued that a more citizen-centered and patient-focused and maybe less technocentric cancer research approach is more appropriate to the challenges that cancer poses for Europe. Cancer research prioritization for Europe must reflect what is happening on the ground, hence the term the European ground shot, empowering a much more holistic, person-focused cancer research agenda that informs cancer research priorities, but most crucially, their implementation across all of Europe. How is having a comprehensive, well-financed research program ultimately improves clinical outcomes? And should these two facets of cancer control go hand in hand? One of the most important findings from the Commission is the linkage between uh, research activity and equitable, uh, affordable and better cancer outcomes for European cancer patients. And this is a really, really essential point because people often think about research activity as a kind of luxury add-on to delivering care and education and training. Well, within cancer, we have really hard evidence which shows that actually, if you don't have a research active national cancer care systems, you won't be able to deliver affordable, equitable and better outcomes for your cancer patients. And, and actually, this the work that underpins the commission actually dates back to nearly a decade ago in 2011, when Professor Peter Selby and our colleagues at the World Health Organization, IARC, put together a major program to look at the evidence base that links research with better outcomes. And it seems that it, it, it has an impact in two distinct areas. First of all, it's the process of doing research and particularly clinical research of all sorts of types, not just biopharmaceutical trials, but real-world evidence data, implementation research, palliative care research. Just the actual process of research improves patient outcomes. And we think it does that by doing two things. First of all, it makes uh, the teams looking after cancer patients much more likely to comply with national high-standard guidelines. And number two, of course, it provides much better care environment for the patients. So that's the process. 
And then, of course, the, the second way that research improves outcomes in cancer is, of course, the outcomes of research, whether it's positive or negative. The outcomes, of course, of research feed back into the care pathways through national cancer guidelines or international guidelines, and that, of course, over time improves um, outcomes. But, of course, I think all of this speaks very well to the fact that it means you need to have a research portfolio which is balanced, balanced over different domains. And by that, I mean radiotherapy, surgery, palliative care, and also balanced across different site-specific cancers. And that comes out very, very strongly in the commission and really links into our, our messaging around making sure that national European cancer research has a balanced research portfolio. Data are crucial for decision-making and will be crucial to develop cancer control strategies. Can you comment on the current state of cancer registries in Europe but also on how data can be accessed and shared. Gathering data and turning it into cancer intelligence has really been our North Star in this Lancet Oncology Commission. Too often opinion, even expert opinion, has trumped data in the genesis and implementation of cancer research policies. Simply continuing to dedicate resource and effort to a narrow research agenda is no longer viable or desirable. We must follow the data and act on what they reveal. Cancer registries provide a comprehensive picture of Europe's cancer burden. But there are problems in accessing the data, which can make it difficult for researchers to produce reliable information in a truly timely manner. The COVID-19 pandemic has shown us that governments can ensure rapid access to data when they perceive there is a pressing need. We receive daily updates on the number of people who had COVID-19 and sadly, the number of COVID-19 related deaths. Cancer is also a pressing need. So why can't we have near real-time access to cancer data to help us to plan, to implement, etc.? This commission puts a substantial emphasis on the importance of cancer research in several domains on patient outcomes and starts with a positive message on what we do well in Europe. Can you please list the domains in which Europe is a global leader in terms of cancer research? Europe has a great deal to be proud of in terms of the research outputs over the last 20 years. We've had an extraordinary explosion in, in, in the creativity in cancer research and in the development of cancer research systems at both national and trans-European level. And that's an important point to make here. It's not simply been national systems that improved in many cases, but also trans-European. Cancer registries now have, have really improved their work around analysis for secondary data analysis. There's a lot better work coming out on cancer model systems, uh, particularly discovery and development of things like organoised model systems. Even on early detection research, although we highlight that there is still significant deficits in early detection research, Europe's been a major leader. For example, the Nelson randomised uh, lung cancer screening studies has been really pivotal in persuading a number of countries around Europe to implement um, national cancers, lung cancer screening programs, most recently actually the UK. Of course, in diagnostics and precision oncology, this is, of course, the heart of a lot of European research over the last decade. There have been a really, really strong showing, particularly in biopharmaceuticals and accompanying diagnostics. And it's also worth saying as well, you know, we've done a lot in radiation oncology and tumor immunology, which has been, uh, again, a huge boon, particularly in immuno-oncology research and also radiation oncology. I certainly remember when I, I started at Cancer Research UK, radiation oncology was really in the backwaters. But over the last 20 years, 
European cancer research in radiation oncology has come on leaps and bounds. So Europe has a really, really strong starting base. I think the one criticism that we level about these research domains, of course, is they still are relatively narrow. The majority of the expenditure we've seen in Europe, the sort of 16 to 21 billion euros over the last 10 years, has been focused in discovery science and biopharmaceuticals. So although we've been very inventive and creative in lots of domains, really it's been in a relatively narrow area. And one of the things we call for in the commission really is to broaden out the research base going forward. One of the most striking messages is the still existing inequalities in outcomes in different European regions. Where are these differences more pronounced and why is this still happening? Really good question and very important question, Marcia. Our work has highlighted the substantial inequalities that exist, particularly in Central and Eastern Europe. Our data intelligence has revealed a significant East-West divide in cancer research. If anything, this gap is widening since when we last looked a decade ago. There must be a renewed effort through a combination of research capacity building, directed funding and twinning approaches to enhance cancer research activity, its quality and its translation in Central and Eastern European countries. We've provided irrefutable evidence that those patients who are treated in research active hospitals have better outcomes than those who are not. Thus, research is not a luxury. It is a necessity and an integral part of 21st century cancer care. Enhancing cancer research in Central and Eastern Europe will undoubtedly lead to better outcomes for citizens and patients in these countries. Thank you. It is now well recognized that lifestyle factors have a substantial impact on the risk of developing cancer. Yet, prevention is frequently missed in cancer research. In your opinion, what is currently missing for prevention and screening to be placed in the forefront of clinical research? One of the major findings from the Commission has been that significant issues around both prevention and early diagnosis research. Um, in a sense, this is not a new finding. We've known for probably 20 years that particularly prevention research has always been a Cinderella subject. I think what surprised us this time was how that the dial hasn't moved on for prevention research. We're still talking about less than 4% of expenditure. If, we, if you analyze the, the ICRP database, although actually in terms of outputs, in terms of research activity, it's nearly 11% over the last 10 years of overall research activities. And the research activity that's out there is very strong, but the financing that's going into this is still, relatively speaking, compared to other domains, weak. Um, part of the problem as well is also the diversity that's required to do prevention research because it's not core and it's not a core mandate for many cancer centers around Europe. It, of course, involves lots of other domains like health economics, social science research, and that simply isn't factored in by many research funding organizations. So one of the findings we have here is that research funding organizations haven't developed their strategies to embrace the new types of research that are required to really deliver effective transnational and national prevention programs, and not just in tobacco, but also increasing, obviously, in obesity, healthy lifestyles, and other risk factors. On the early diagnostic front, Europe's been very strong in developing technology-led solutions to early diagnostics. So we've seen the growth, for example, of artificial intelligence for syndromic surveillance. 
But there's no doubt, again, that within the early diagnosis area, a lot of this is around health systems and services, and it's around health policy, as well as patient pathways. And again, we identify in the commission, this is a significant deficit in terms of funding and support by research funding organizations. And I think what it speaks to is the need research funding organizations at the national level and also European Commission funding to take a much, much broader strategic approach to both prevention and early diagnosis that actually embraces health services, health systems, policy research, social sciences, economics, even the behavioral sciences. And I think from the Commission point of view, that's really the way to go forward to, to, to actually move the dial up in terms of funding and research outputs. This commission also emphasizes the challenges currently faced by Europe. On one hand, COVID-19 has exposed health systems fragilities and severely impacted cancer research. On the other hand, we had two big geopolitical events in the past few years, first Brexit and now the Russian invasion of Ukraine, which again can affect data sharing and the conduct of clinical trials. What impact are these events having on cancer research? Marcy, I'll maybe cover the COVID-19 situation and then Richard will talk a little bit about Brexit and the Russian invasion of Ukraine. In this commission, we have presented worrying data on the impact of COVID-19 on cancer care, on cancer research and on cancer services. A hundred million screening tests not performed, a million cancer diagnoses missed, disastrous impacts on cancer research and clinical trials. This is what the data is telling us. Cancer must not become the forgotten sea in the fight against COVID. But unfortunately, the pandemic and our data have exposed what many of us have been saying for quite a while. Our systems and research frameworks were not fit for purpose even before the pandemic. We really have a great opportunity here, one which forms the basis of our call to action from this Lancet Oncology Commission. Going back to the old normal is simply not good enough. We must reimagine cancer research and its implementation right across Europe. European cancer research at the moment is being buffeted by a number of major geopolitical and geostrategic stresses and wins. The first, of course, has been Brexit, that is the UK's departure from the European Union. This has, of course, created a, an incredible chilling effect for UK cancer researchers involvement in future transnational European research programs. This has yet to be sorted out as a date of speaking. The UK is a very, very significant contributor to overall cancer research. It's one of the sort of top four countries. And there's no doubt that for both UK researchers and for European researchers as a whole, what needs to be sorted out is a political agreement so that we actually do have a proper transnational system. And despite Brexit, cancer knows no boundaries and neither should cancer research. And, and I think it's really incumbent on national funders to really push the agenda in the UK and demand that government, the UK government with the European Commission actually addresses this. The other major issue facing Europe over the next decade will be the impact of, of the Russian invasion into Ukraine. We are some, you know, six to seven months down the line now from the invasion on the 24th of February. And, and it's, there's no doubt this will have a chilling effect on research per se, not just cancer research, but research per se across the European Union. First, 
simply because of the cost of the, of the conflict to the European Commission. And, and we still don't know what the cost of reconstruction for Ukraine is going to be. And secondly, there's going to be fiscal impacts in terms of economies. Um, we're already predicting GDP contractions of maybe 7 8% over the next five years for European countries. That money has to come from somewhere. And often what gets cut in individual countries is research budgets. And so that's, that's a big concern. And one of the things Commission points we make really is that this needs to be guarded against. And it, and it goes back to the point about the fact that research is indivisible from better outcomes. Cancer is a major cause of productivity losses due to premature mortality and morbidity for all European countries. Without basic background research activity at a national and European level, we will not hope to see reductions in those productivity losses. So despite the chilling effect of both Brexit and, and the Russian invasion of Ukraine, it's absolutely essential for both Europe and individual member states to continue to fund the research system. To overcome several of these challenges, Europe has created several initiatives. You mentioned some of these in the Commission, for example, the Europe's Beating Cancer Plan and the EU Cancer Mission. Do you think these are being successfully implemented or is there a lack of political will? In the Commission, we've identified, of course, a, a range of initiatives which are essentially pushing forward the strategic outlook for Europe. At the highest level, of course, EU now has a cancer mission, and that's really to be welcomed. There are very few diseases which have their own mission. I think it is, relatively speaking, early days. One of the critiques we make, of course, is the importance of the mission to be driven by intelligence. And, and half the point of, of doing this commission really is to provide this sort of strategic intelligence to help guide the operational planning of both the EU cancer mission and also Europe's beating cancer plan. But of course, that's at the transnational level. At individual member state levels, there are a range of different plans going from individual plans for uh, member states, which are very well developed and very well integrated into their national cancer control programs, all the way through, unfortunately, to countries in European Union that have absolutely no research plans at all. And I think it, it speaks to the need, really, for individual countries to have their own cancer research plans in addition to the EU cancer mission. It's not possible for the EU cancer mission to be substitutional, really, for national research plans for cancer. And I think one of the, the major issues going forward for Europe is ensuring that there's sort of equality. And particularly within the Commission, we identify those countries in Central and Eastern Europe for whom actually the cancer planning so far, and I include all the plans through the European research area going back to Philippe Bouscat, have not really pushed the dial of a very low base for those countries. And I think both those countries need to have national plans as well as EU cancer mission to actually improve research outputs. So I think it's early days yet in terms of, is this a success or not? I think success will be judged probably in the next five to six years. But I think it's absolutely crucial that the intelligence that's been gathered by this commission and by other pieces of work is used for that future planning, both in terms of financial support and also for supporting the wide number of research domains that need to be prosecuted in, in, in order to improve patient outcomes. Finally, your commission ends with a call for action. Can you please highlight some of these recommendations? 
In this commission, we first focused on generating data to provide an overview of the current cancer, European cancer research landscape, highlighting its strengths and capturing its weaknesses, contrasting areas that have perhaps received an overemphasis of effort with those that have been underserved. Analyzing these data and deploying the resulting evidence underpins a series of 12 recommendations and the call to action, which if acted upon, will empower a cancer research culture that delivers pragmatic solutions for Europe. Highlights of our call to action include increasing cancer research capacity and capability in Central and Eastern European countries by 25% by 2025, doubling the cancer research budget to 50 euro per capita by 2030. It's currently tenfold, yes, that's right, tenfold less than the US cancer research budget, which is not really acceptable. Ensuring that cancer research advances are implemented for the benefits of patients. I sometimes phrase this as less breakthrough, but more follow-through. Embedding the principles of inequity and equality within the European cancer research agenda so that all citizens and patients, no matter where they live, benefit equally from advances in cancer research. Also, the important area of enhancing gender equality in cancer research. Cancer research powerhouses such as Germany, for example, there are less than a quarter of cancer research leaders are female, a damning statistic which must really be acted on. We also need to deliver a step change in cancer prevention and early diagnosis, establish research-driven networks of comprehensive cancer centers and other relevant networks, and establish a European cancer research survivorship plan for the 20 million European citizens living beyond a cancer diagnosis. We also need to ensure that data is at the fulcrum of all our cancer research efforts. We can start to reimagine a more equality-focused, people-centered, and data-enabled cancer research ecosystem that mandates that the best science and the most promising innovations are delivered at pace and at scale, so that our 7035 vision, 70% long-term survival for all cancer patients by 2035, is delivered for the whole of Europe. Thank you both for participating in our podcast and to all our listeners. This commission is now available online at the Lancet Oncology website and will be available with our January issue.